We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. The Fortune Teller by our boy Machado de Assis coming up today. Have you ever been to a fortune teller? No, have you? No, I've never been. My wife's been a couple (laughs) of times. And she was like, oh, we got to go. It's so fun. And I'm like, yeah, as long as it's for entertainment purposes, you're not trying to like divine lotto numbers or something, I guess. (laughs) You know, there are plenty of people who believe in a lot of different things, right? True. And there's and there's various levels of uh, I'm going to call immaterialism, like like the, the beyond the measurable, the the numinal, right? Like, like there's supernatural. Sure. Well, yeah, it's, it's, there's more, gosh, I didn't even mean to transition to this. Holy crap. It's the Hamlet opening, right? Like they can make reference to it, that there's uh, more to heaven and earth than to your, uh, than can be found in your philosophy, right? Like a, and and they make it very clear that it's a reference to Hamlet, but for me, it didn't even feel pretentious. Like it just, it just like everything deacis so smooth. Like there's absolutely the easiest writing to possibly read. Oh, yeah. And as long as you have a good translation, it just goes through the story so seamlessly. And it, it it seems to be put together very well, even though I obviously missed a few things as we go through our talk tonight. Um, now that I kind of play it back through my head, I feel like some of the foreshadowing was intentionally less obvious. And I talk with my wife about the story as well. And I think that you can maybe put some things together that aren't there quite on the surface. And I'm looking to uh, maybe discuss with you some uh, possibilities of what really happened in the story of why, what happened, what happened. Okay. Okay. So we open with Rita has, uh, it's a, it's a couple ish, (laughs) kind of a couple you assume Uh, Rita. (laughs) Yeah. And and Camilo and, and we don't know the exact pronunciation. So if we're off, feel free to let us know how to pronounce it in the comments down below. Uh, but Camilo and Rita, right? They're, they're somewhat of a couple and Camilo's just ripping into her, right? Like you went to a fortune teller. Like he's the guy that clearly doesn't believe in these immaterial, uh, numinal things, right? He's a guy that's like, you know, he's a realist, he's a rationalist. And he's just like, I can't believe you would listen to that poppycock. And Rita's like, dude, come on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously it sets it up right from the beginning that Camillo is uh, a, a kind of a jerk. He's a skeptic and he, I think, is trying to, you know, say he's not better than her, but he's definitely trying to assert his authority over Rita, I feel like. Well, the thing about Camilo that kind of grabbed me is he's ripping into her about this, right? But then the narration quickly tells us that he used to have that type of a background, right? Like it talks about how his mom would kind of drive some of this into him. And I think that's, I don't know, to me, that took me as uh, the thing that pushed him away from the belief in the supernatural and such 
is his mom, his, his overbearing mother, which I think we see all the time. Like, how often do you hear the stereotype of, like, you know, the overbearing preacher and the daughter goes off to be very loose, right? Like, like the kind of, it's kind of <laughs> like the same thing here where Camilo is driven away from whatever your parents are trying to push onto you. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So he's seeing Rita kind of emulate what his mother's beliefs were, and that's maybe bringing up some bad memories and he's taking it out on her. Oh, I hadn't even thought about it comparing to the mother, but but yes, it is like that that rejection of like sometimes we're drawn like that the whole Oedipus Rex thing of like we're drawn to what uh, either is our parents or the reverse of the parents in a sense. So so yeah, interesting thought there because up next, right, we go into this backstory of the three amigos, Camila, Camilo, <laughs> right, Rita, right, who who we know. So Camilo, we 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 learn was. Um, like taking up the civil service, uh, turned down his desire, you know, his dad's desires for him to be a doctor. Shocking. There's that thing again, running away from what your parents want. <laughs> um, yeah, indeed. You had, uh, Rita who got brought home by Viela, who was becoming working for like the local magistrate or whatever. And that's when we realize that Rita was originally Viela's girl and switch to Team Camilo. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my kind of first like, oh, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. We got a little flippity flop of the relationship because in the beginning it doesn't make it apparent that these two mm-hmm. are having an affair uh, mm-hmm. and that this is actually, you know, three people involved in this relationship unbeknownst to one. Maybe, maybe. We'll talk about that. Well, and isn't it interesting that the mother who would normally push, you know, the son away from whatever she wanted is what brought her, you know, who is to your point, kind of emulating some of the things and in a, in a loose extent, right? Like we're really, we're, we're reaching a little bit with like the, the fortune teller compared to, to religion, but it's the idea of immaterialism is how I took it in the context of the story. But, but she brought her into his life and they got closer through his father or his mother's death, right? Like they started to nurture each other. And I think it's through this care for each other that, well, apparently some borders were crossed. <laughs> yeah, death and, and love and romance, weddings, all those things. It brings out a lot of emotions at us. And sometimes you make poor decisions, or in this case, they think they're making the right decision of, you know, how to move forward with their relationship. But it is interesting how it kind of grabs you in the beginning of these two and then throws in the third and then the parents. And we even got to the fortune teller really yet of what is her role in this whole like, you know, triangle, love triangle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we look at, at how this, you know, if we stick with the trio real quick before we go to the fortune teller, we have Vielo gives him like this really fancy cane for the birthday and he and he really doesn't seem too interested in it. And all Rita gives him is like this just plain like card. And he's just like fawning all over this card. Like he's head over heels that no matter what this girl does, he's in. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of one of those things where you are over exaggerating because you know, you kind of got the shaft like you, you got screwed over here and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to play it up then because maybe there's more because I feel like, I feel like Viela is, is, he's understanding that something is going on here. Like he's, he's got the, the cold shoulder. Did you notice that the narrator described her as a serpent tempting him? And she, I feel like she's much younger than the two guys. Did you get that feel as well? Um, I feel like the way the, 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 she's described as, you know, beautiful serpentine. I felt like that maybe she's like 10 years younger than they are. 
I don't remember the exact ages, but I think at one point they mentioned that uh, one of the characters was younger or older than the others. Like none of that really played out to any effect, but, but they mentioned, I think very briefly at one point, do do you get any, um, I don't think it was really overt, but did you get any like Adam and Eve type feelings too, with her tempting him in a sense, like kind of like bringing him into evil with this choice? Cause like they said, scruples farewell. (laughs) Yeah. So Rita is the serpent and she's tempting the two guys. Let me ask you this yeah. question. Whose who story is this? I felt like it was supposed to be the fortune teller story because it literally is called the fortune teller. But the fortune teller seems like almost a side character or just like a plot device to move things forward. You kind of think it's supposed to be Camilo and and Rita's story, but it's really not. I feel like in the whole background, it's Viela's story uh, really? seen through okay. the eyes of these two that are basically cheating on him, his friends cheating on him, and his wife's cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Are they married or are they just dating? I wasn't sure. Oh, I thought they were officially married, but I could have been okay. wrong on that. Okay. I, either way, we spend most of our time in the narration with Camilo and Rita, right? Camilo probably even the most because he's the one that gets the letter and he starts getting all shaky of of these these warnings to him, like these omens that the town knows what's happening between him and Rita, right? Like he's going to get called out, right? And he doesn't want his buddy to find out because, you know, his buddy might take it out on him, right? So he starts to become more paranoid and we spend more time in his head, but the narrator keeps it very light, I would say. And up next, we do finally get that letter from him eventually saying basically like, come over, it's urgent, right? And where does his mind immediately go? Oh, he knows. He found out he knows. Oh, crap, we're in trouble. Yep, yep, yep. So he starts heading over to his house because there's like this this force pulling him there. Like, he knows it's not a good idea. He's just like, man, he knows. Everybody knows. Why am fate, I going right? over there? It almost feels like fate of the story. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to get killed when I get over there. Like, I shouldn't go to this house, yeah. but I've got to. <laughs> yeah. And where does he go, though? Well, on the way there, he gets the bright idea of, let's go to the fortune teller, right? And I I said it was a bit of a stretch to do the whole religion fortune teller thing, but let's go there, right? Because this is talking about immaterialism and belief in something outside of this world. And there's something to be said about when when we're helpless, like, like when you think about the person that just found out that they have cancer or that their 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 child is passing away to some disease. You hear a lot about how there's a turn to God, a turn to a higher power. And I, I almost feel like this guy has this impending doom feeling. Like he talks about how he knows his friend's gonna kill him. And, and he's looking for like this mystic power, right? Where, where do I get this mystic power to protect me, to help me get answers? And he says, screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the fortune teller, right? Like what, what is it about human beings that we turn to this, mystic force that we think will save us i think that's the thing is when you have nothing to lose and he thinks all right if i'm already going to die i'm 100 gonna die why not go ask her and i think that sometimes people want to know uh, there's a lot of majority of people that don't want to know but i think that some people love the idea of knowing the the future those people that skip to the end of the book skip to the end of the story uh they just want the ending they don't want the journey and i feel like that uh camilo is kind of that way of he just needs to know what's going to happen he doesn't care anything besides that fact 
And that's going to give him peace of mind. So he goes to the fortune teller, and I think she just kind of tells him what he wants to hear or doesn't want to hear. I don't know. It's very confusing. What do you think? Well, she, I, she, I mean, she says three things, right? He came there because he's afraid. Yeah. She, he, she predicts that he wants to know what will happen to him as the second thing. And then she says that he must exercise caution, if you will. Let's go back to Hamlet. <laughs> is this fortune teller mystical? Is, is she part of the, there are things greater than this world, or is she just blowing smoke and saying the things that this guy wants to hear? I think she's blowing smoke. Tell me why. Okay, so I think this is an outlandish thought, but what if she is sleeping with Velia? <laughs> and Rita goes to the fortune teller and tells her her secret, basically. You know, I'm, I'm cheating on my husband. And then the fortune teller tells her husband, and now he has knowledge of this. He's the one that sends the letter and kind of orchestrates the whole thing. And now the fortune teller is just feeding them the information they want so that they can get them together. You know, and I don't want to spoil the ending too quick, but, you know, nobody really makes it out of the story alive. It's <laughs> kind of how I, my brain went through this. That's why I didn't see a lot of the foreshadowing that you did that that they were going to they were going to get bit. They were going to at the end. I think it's also a little bit of that. If we wanted to take that stance that she's just blowing smoke. It's a little bit of that psychology test where like, you know, a whole bunch of people took this test and then they're all given these results that are supposed to be tailored to them of just like, this is the type of person you are. You're not too hot. You're not too cold. You're like this. And the results were actually the exact same for all the people taking this test. So nothing was tailored to them. And so many people were like, yeah, that's me. Oh my gosh. Because like, it was all these like in between words or things that are like really common for most people, like easy to get right. And if you're going to a fortune teller, <laughs> you're probably afraid of something that you're looking for answers. And, and, and that's not too much of a guess. So those first two are just the gimmies. Anyone going to a fortune teller, let me guess, you want to know answers to something. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, why else would you go? But to your point, I don't know about, you know, her, her and Viela. I, I, I didn't have that angle, but everybody in town knows, right? So here comes the guy that everyone in town's talking about. Of he, uh, he's hooking up with Rita over here. Of course, she's going to be like, "Yeah, I know what you're afraid of. You're worried that the the guy's going to find out, aren't you?" <laughs> yep. And she could be using that to her fortune telling ability. You know, there's so much about us on Google that like fortune tellers now have a digital aid in researching people when you have to schedule and book in advance and oh, enter your name. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're all crooks. I'm just saying that's an avenue for it for those that are right. Yeah, well, I mean, they're feeding into the things that you want to hear and you're getting a little bit of kind of what you said, almost like a placebo effect of this is going to make you feel better. So why wouldn't this person give it to you? I mean, it's not that they're, you know, being shady or criminal like they're doing literally what you want them to do. Well, next, when he, they're saying their goodbyes and he touches her, they, they, they said that it's almost as if he was touching Sybil herself. Do you know who that is? this no this is written way before Sybil right I don't know what Sybil you're thinking of I'm thinking about biblical yeah. times with the idea yeah, okay, so, yeah. well ancient ancient yeah. God time like like it's the idea that they spoke yeah. for for you know that the the divine if you will 
Okay, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking of like the the civil, the person. <laughs> oh, wrong one. I was like, this story is from like the eighteen hundreds. I don't think she was alive yet. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> the with multiple personalities. <laughs> so, so she's compared to someone that can touch the divine. She's the one that can touch the untouchable, right? And isn't it isn't it beyond us to know some of these things? Like we literally cannot know everything, and there's a lot of things that we haven't figured out in this world, and. You know, there's these really weird, unexplained circumstances. Is she one of those people that has those powers? Well, what happens to our boy, right? He's, oh, he's renewed, right? He's bouncing off the walls. I'm going to oh, yeah. win. He's skipping basically to their house now. Like, skip to my loo, my darling. Like, he is on his way. He knows he's going to be just fine. <laughs> well, he, he finds his, quote, new and vigorous faith and sees a, quote, unending future right unending future eternal future that sounds awfully spiritual sounds awfully mystical and do you remember what he has to go through to enter his friend's home there's uh what is the the thing over him the isn't like an arch or something uh he's got to go through the gates the gates go through the iron gate so you know you can't help but think about the pearly gate Yeah, yeah yeah so for me that's one big tell is because there were all these spiritual mystical things to the story. He's walking into the afterlife. Like he's walking into the heaven at this point, symbolically to me, but also you, my friend, I know are still trying to figure out your relationship with Shakespeare. Uh, do you remember much about Hamlet? Uh, no, no, I read that in high school 30 years ago. (laughs) We're not going to go through a huge history lesson on it, but let's put it this way. This this big duel at the end, he knows there's a plot against him. He knows he probably shouldn't enter this duel, but he does it anyways. And that's exactly what our boy's doing here. Where he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't go to this house, but it's fate, right? He knows that he's going to have to go through with this the same way. That Hamlet kind of entered into this thing at the end too. So for me, there's like all these like like a very skilled writer, you know, Machado de Assis, all these layered things about fate pushing him going towards his doom here at the end. Okay, that makes sense. Now, I, I guess I didn't pick up on the gate and the the Sybil and all those little pieces. Well, it, it, he refound his religion, right? Looking for the unending future. It, it kind of screams the afterlife from like a. Uh, most biblical tale perspective, but uh, he enters into the room and what happens to him, sir? <laughs> yeah. So he walks in and Rita's already dead and then he gets shot and killed and like end scene. Like it just closes black screen. I was like, what? That's it. Holy crap. That's a harsh ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like literally the last line is him dying is rough. Yeah. 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 But I, I would say this, like, I don't know how you felt through the whole story, but I was just like, glued to the pages like i really enjoyed reading this story just because there's something about the way machado de assis writes that i'm just like this guy was just he had it like some people have it he's got it i loved this story so much and i'm not one to usually go back unless i'm confused or and i was a little bit confused on this one but i enjoyed it so much that i read it and then actually i found somebody on youtube that reads it and you can uh, listen to it as well for free. So uh, I read it and listened to it. That's how much I enjoyed this story. Isn't it? Isn't it harsh that you lose your woman to to one of your best friends, and you're sitting there like caring for him, like when he loses his mother, and like that's that's the incident. 
that your life just gets flipped upside down. Like cruel, cruel turn of events for this man. Do you think that the crime and the punishment did 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 it fit the bill? I mean, he kills them over their affair. I mean, is that Oh, I'm I'm so boring. I'm so boring with that question because you know, I I always say murder's never justified, right? It's not our it, to yeah. me, it's not our case to judge that. Uh, I'm not a fan of of that type of of punishment, really. Vielia decided it was though. <laughs> <laughs> There's he's not alone. There's other people out there, so yeah. that's why you don't go messing around yeah. with your best friends Passionate. of a significant other. Just saying. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. What other Machado de Assis story should we be checking up next? I think we need to dive into one of his novels, man. This guy, this guy's Ooh. got it going on, if you ask me. Yeah, didn't he write like a hundred novels or something? I'm aware of two in English that are super popular. <laughs> oh. um, but well, he, we got to learn Portuguese. <laughs> but dude, he's written like a ton of short stories. So there's a plethora of ones that we can choose from. All right. Well, more short stories, more novels. Let's do it. His writing is mwah. My name has been Una. Mwah. Peace out. Peace.